everybody. Welcome to Everything Went Black, episode 35. If you've been paying attention in the last few episodes, you're familiar with the Black Flag saga. And um, it seems like every guest I've had, we've had some sort of discussion about either the Keith Morris-fronted flag or the Greg Ginn black flag and uh, what our feelings are about the whole thing. Um, I read an article in Vice called Can I Get in the Van by a guy named Eric Lyle. You might recognize that name from Scamzine, which is, uh, I think, up to issue nine. And uh, also other various writings and bands he's played in. He's in a band called uh, Black Rainbow. The stuff all might ring a bell to you guys. Anyway, Eric um, wrote an article about his experiences auditioning as bass player for Black Flag and his uh, you know journey down to Taylor, Texas, and meeting Greg Ginn, having an opportunity to play with him, and um, just the whole story. So if you have, uh, haven't had an opportunity to read that piece, I highly recommend it. It's on Vice's website. It's called Can I Get in the Van? It turns out that my good friend Josh Bear, who's been on this podcast a couple times already, uh, knows Eric. And we all got together a couple nights ago and sort of got into the whole black flag story and Eric's part in that whole thing and what it's like to travel down to uh, Taylor, Texas and uh, get together and jam with your idols. So without any further ado, here we go. All right, so we got Eric Lyle here tonight with us and Josh Bear. And Josh is uh, this is what, your third time, I think, on yeah. the podcast here. And, you know, return return guest. And uh, Eric, you might know from Scamzine and also his recent uh, Vice article, "Can I Get in the Van," which has to do with his uh, exploits and journey down to uh, Austin, Texas, or outside, or Taylor, Texas, oh. actually, to uh, audition for Black Flag's bassist position. So um, Eric also plays in a band called Black Rainbow. So Eric. Where are you from originally? Uh, from South Florida. Okay. Yeah, from just a, just a little bit north of Miami. And, uh, you know, you've been involved in, like, the punk rock scene and, you know, yeah. sort of... Yeah, know. I've been doing, um... I've been doing this magazine, Scam, since 1991, and, um... Though there haven't been too many issues, you know, <laughs> of it, but, uh... Definitely, um... You know, a lot of the earlier ones were real thick, you know, so that's, that's how I make up for it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, just playing in bands and booking shows and, you know, d- doing pretty much what, you know, all the DIY punk stuff, you know, for for a while, for sure. So, you know, coming up through the DIY scene, Black Flag was probably a big influence on you? Yeah, I think I, I got a lot out of Black Flag as a kid, man. I think, like, really, um, when I read an interview again and, uh, maybe 89 uh, uh, in Sound Choice magazine. Um, you know, like, me and my best friend at the, at the time, a guy I still play music with, this guy Buddha, um, we listened to Black Flag, but we did not know anything about them, you know. And when we got this interview, it was, like, the first time I'd heard kind of any of their story because we got into punk in, like, 87. So we were a little bit just past their time. So we right. never got to see them. You know, we didn't know what was going on. So we didn't know about them, like, in the riot cops and all the shit that was going on in the early days. We didn't know about, like, them kind of forging the the touring network that people right. were still using, you know. So so that's kind of the first time we tripped out on that and got to, like, hear all the, of that side of the story. And um, I think that that 
that work ethic really appealed to me. Um, I think that in particular was very inspirational to me over the years because I felt like they were um, a band that really just uh, wasn't trying to hide out and kind of, you know, get by. They were really trying to take it to... They were trying to trying to make an impact on the larger culture um, in a certain way. They believed in what they were doing and they wanted a lot of people to know about it and they weren't going to let anything stop them. Um, so, you know, maybe in music and stuff that didn't really... I never really had that attitude with my bands and stuff, but I was involved in activism and, uh, you know, certain kinds of, uh, you know, political struggles and stuff right. over years. And I definitely got a lot of inspiration from Black Flag and it just felt kind of like, hey, we have, we have to take this really seriously. This is what we do, you know? So, yeah, Black Flag's always been kind of a big deal to me, for sure. Yeah, back in, like, the late 80s, um, there was, like, this sort of mystery around a lot of bands because mm -hmm. information was... Uh, like the the information network wasn't as extensive as it is today, where you can just you know click and you know, go to Google and totally. type someone's name name in there. So there was a lot of like sort of mystery around a lot of bands, and so when you got these little pieces of intel about you know like a Greg Ginn interview, yeah. it was like this gem of data that you got from there, and you like sort of read it, you know, and absorbed all the information. So, what motivated you to take the trip down to Texas to? audition for for this current version of the of black flag like what was you know what was your uh, okay, well, process like here with that well you might want to back up a little man um in a way that um because black flag uh has been on my mind a lot this year you okay. know in a, in a, just kind of in a weird way black flag you know it's like this has been my favorite band for years but like you know at some point like you know <laughs> you know, the band hasn't been around in 30 yeah, years. Yeah, 30 I kind of quit thinking about Black Flag in a certain way, you know. But uh, but in late uh, 2011, because um, I also work as a freelance reporter. Okay. You know? So, um, and I just was like trying to think of some kind of gig to get, you know. And, um, you know, one of the things that music writers will do is this kind of hackneyed thing where they're like, oh, it's the 25th anniversary of this famous record or something, so right. let's write about it, you know? So I was like, oh, this is like kind of a scam, because it's about to be the 30th anniversary of Damage, and like, all I want to do is like, fucking get paid to write about Damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like this is like the job I was born for. I've been thinking about Damage for a long time, all right? You know, so, <laughs> so, um, so... I checked on it and I was like, okay, yeah, okay, it's December 81 is when it comes out, all right, so I got a couple months here, you know, so I, you know, pitched the story to the LA Weekly and they were, they were into it, um, and then, um, so that gave me the, um, you know, the, you know, whatever, the pedigree or whatever to talk to all these guys, you know, because I'm, like, working on it for this publication that people feel is more official, you know. Yeah. I don't know I don't know necessarily that they would or would not have if I'd said, hey, I'm the guy from this zine that you may or may not have heard of, you right. know. Right. Like, they may have or they may not have, you know. But, um, and, you know, uh, Henry Rollins is writing a, he writes a regular column now for the LA Weekly, so that was, like, right there, you know, it's like the editor just put me in touch with Henry and said, hey, talk to this guy, you know, he's cool, like, he's writing for us, and so that kind of opened those, those doors. Right. Um, in a certain way, though, Ginn was really hard to talk to, uh, he w did not seem interested in talking at all, and I had to kind of work on him really hard to talk to him. Um, I had to email him like a lot and uh persuade him that I wasn't 
going to focus on the sort of interpersonal dynamics of the group, but then I really just wanted to talk about the circumstance of the recording and the sort of musical philosophy behind it, you know? And then he agreed to talk once he realized it wasn't going to be about who hates who. The drama. Yeah, which is just, I didn't really want to get into anyway. Exactly. Because it didn't really seem appropriate to focus on that achievement of that record to get into the whole soap opera aspect, you know? So, um... So the LA Weekly gig was like, uh, you know, that I went down to LA and I drove around and checked out some spots. I talked to everybody and then um, and people who weren't in the band, you know, like uh, I think who's in the story, like well Joe Carducci, SST label yeah. guy, you know, was in the story big time. Joe was very helpful. Dave Markey, the yeah, Joel, 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 yeah, Joe Carducci's kind of a linchpin of that whole SST experience, anyhow. Totally, so. yeah, and so also a thinker, you know, he's yeah. like, he's like, he's written a couple of books, or you know, yeah, he's like put it out there, like this is what we were thinking about, this is why, this yeah. is, you know, so he's like kind of a key figure for sure. Uh, Dave Markey, the filmmaker, uh, who was around that scene, uh, Mike Watt was in the piece, uh, and. Um, you know, so that I, you know, I tend to get get really into stuff, you know, and sure. want to get real thorough, you know. Maybe that's a black flag thing too, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like really being in LA and thinking about this stuff, you know. And I, I, I kind of really love LA, so it was really yeah. nice to be down there. And uh, you know, I was like, man, there's so much more to this story. There's like all these kids hanging out on Santa Monica Boulevard and um, on oh, Hollywood. Yeah, in West, in West Hollywood. And um, it just kind of going, to me, like, what the story started to seem like that was really interesting was more getting away from the band and the sort of, like, uh, hierarchy of band audience. But, it, but being going back to this time when the whole thing felt really new. Like, when all those kids were, like, runaways and hanging out on the street and going to see Black Flag or the Germs or whatever... And it was called punk, but it was still developing, and it didn't have a lot of rules, and no one was really sure what it was, and bands could sound like anything, yeah. and, you know, and it was changing at that time. Right. Meanwhile, the band themselves was was making a record that sounded like nothing that had come before. So they, they were also, like, they made something that sounded like with that kind of exhilaration of, like, you know, like just something new being born, you know, like it's such a crazy sounding record to me to this day. It still, still sounds so inventive, you know, um, it doesn't sound like DRI or MGC or some other like kind of by the book kind of hardcore yeah. straight ahead, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the only record I think for me that, it, you know, like a minor threat material, mm-hmm. maybe just the intensity and the sort of impact mm-hmm. and damaged, but it's still not even the same though. Yeah. You know I mean? It's just, like, how they made the leap, the evolutionary leap to get from, like, four chords quick to, like, strange rhythms and weird solos. discordant, you know, like, like, tritones and things like that. Yeah, and then getting out of the, like, even lyrically getting into that real personal kind of space, that kind of personal alienation instead of, like, kind of a jokey commentary on the world, you know? Right. So I thought it was really interesting, so... You know, I wanted to really focus on that that time because, as a punk rocker now, I'm you know I'm still very involved, and you know I've been feeling like 
punk is kind of retreating a little bit into a lot of nostalgia, you know, like, um, there's a lot of, like, emphasis on these old bands and, and looking back and people are checking out online and, like, you can see exactly how someone was dressed 30 years ago and you can, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. there's the kind of information that you were saying wasn't available is now. Right. And so, and you know, which is, you know, for new people who are always getting involved in that's right, and it's new to them, that's exciting, and it's cool that they're valuing these old bands, many of whom did not get much do when they were around, for sure. But at the same time, I feel like I just want things to be reborn and have renewal and change, and, and um, you know, I don't want to be going to see bands play their whole record in their entirety from start to finish, you know, or things so out of context. So, like... Uh, I wanted to like highlight what it, what it must have been like to be in that space where everything was new. To, right. To go back to that place and remember, there wasn't a set of rules, and there wasn't like no one knew what was happening, and they were making it themselves. And um, and people live through periods like that all the time. I mean, at the time that I was working on this, was the time of the Occupy Wall Street stuff, which a lot of people were involved in, and it was very exciting for them, and it was developing in a way that wasn't like other activism and everyone's like what's happening like the energy it's new and you know yeah, definitely. so it's like when you get to live through that it's very exciting and i just wanted to you know point it to point that out to the people to remember that spirit of renewal and rebirth and anyway whatever this is a long-winded thing of course there wasn't enough space in the la weekly <laughs> for um for my epic, <laughs> you know, my, my Black Flag L.A. novel about the summer of 1981 that I, like, turned in some, like, 7,000-word draft to my editor, and he, like, lost his mind and got super mad at me. Um, and, uh, you know, we kind of butted heads over it, and, you know, he ultimately was correct, you know, that, like, I was really, you know, too deep in it, you know. But, well, you know, I was like, whatever, I can, I, I do a zine. And people want to read this, so I can I can use this material. So that's how the zine yeah, about da- material, so yeah. the new scam is about damage. That's how that came about. Right. So basically, um, and that came out in fall of 2012, um, and then I've just been you know like you know doing the distro for that and getting it out, and it's been going pretty well. And I thought I was kind of done with writing about Black Flag, you know, for a bit, seemed over, and, um, then I started hearing about this reunion stuff, and then people started writing to me and being like, hey, like, so what do you think about the reunions, like, you know, you're the guy who just did the Black Flag zine, so what do you think, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know, yeah. and then, uh, <laughs> so I wrote to Cardici one night, and I was like, Joe, man, what do you think about this stuff, man, I'm not gonna, don't worry, it's off the record, I'm not writing about Black Flag anymore, but... You know, uh, you know, just like, what's your take on all this, whatever, you know? And, and he wrote back, and we were rapping about it, and he's, he was like, he's the one who told me that Gin was making a record, which I hadn't seen that part. So I was like, wait, wait, what? So so now there's like, so I'm hearing about this all for the first time, so there's a flag reunion, and then there's the black flag with Gin, and he's making a record. And um, that was like on a Monday night. And then uh, the next, I was working on trying to pitch this story about... Uh, Boomtown, uh, North Dakota, Williston, like the oil fields in North oh, okay. Dakota. And I was like, had been talking to editors advice about going to North Dakota to check out this, uh, fracking scene. And it's, Oh, area. right. That's the, also upstate New York has a big totally, issue with that. Totally. Yeah, like Ithaca, that area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was like trying to 
work on that, and it kind of wasn't going anywhere because all these other stories just came out about it. And I was kind of riffing with this editor advice, and I was like, well, what about, you know, what about, what if I just went to Texas to try to join Black Flag? And, you know, and they were like, killer. <laughs> that's a good story. And I was like, okay, let's do it, you know? Um, so that's kind of how that came about, basically. It was like actually, initially was uh, related to journalism. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of ironic, though, in some ways, where it's, you know, you were talking about, you know, kids, and they're sort of um, re revisiting mm -hmm. the older bands, and, and uh, you know, bands coming out and doing their entire albums, because there's two Black Flags right now, there's like Flag and Black Flag, <laughs> and one of them, one of them strikes me as just like the oldies review of, right. you know, the running through the hits, you know, right. and the, the Greg Ginn version I mean, well, what, what is the Greg Ginn version of the band? Who knows, right? It's going to be a wild card. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you know? they already said that record was supposed to be out, and uh, they said originally it was coming out in March, right? So still it's not out. Um, I'm going to get it. You know, I want to know what it sounds like. I'm definitely going to get it, yeah. <laughs> at, at, at first, I, I, my, my take on it, I was like against it completely, you know what yeah. I mean? And I mean, I wrote this piece for uh, for Invisible Oranges about this whole uh -huh. thing, and, and it was like... What did you have to say? I, I was um, of the opinion that, uh, you know, I want to remember things the way I want to remember them. I don't want someone to update me on the way things were, like when they're not even the same people that mm -hmm. were, that they were 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like the, the whole era, the whole black flag, punk rock, early hardcore experience was a very specific time and place for me personally. And. You know, I missed a lot of it, you know, for like 1981, I wasn't going to shows, you know yeah. what I mean? But, um, you know, I, I think in certain in certain ways, you, you get one chance to do something sometimes. And if you don't do it, you sort of miss out. And like anything that's like an attempt to recapture that is just like a simulation of that. It's like right. a, a sort of, you know, integration of that thing as opposed to experiencing that actual thing it's like you're looking at a photograph of something right. and that's kind of like my, my feeling about the band but then again and I, you know, after I read your, your article in Vice you know mm. Black Flag has always been sort of this conceptual thing really uh. you know it's been like Greg Ginn's idea yeah. and you know I guess for me if they were going to just do all new material and they you know he has like a new lineup and he yeah. comes out and it's just playing new stuff that would be interesting to me. Yeah. But if he came out and he was doing, you know, like that Black Flag version of the, his version of Black Flag was doing, you know, Police Story and Damage, right. and, you know, then I don't know how interested I am in seeing that, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely not interested in seeing Flag, even though, you know, I have nothing but respect for everyone, you know, Keith Morris, you know, right. Des Kadena, like everyone, but I, I'm just not, I don't want to see those bands, I don't want to see those guys play those songs anymore. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's it's not the same thing, you know. Right, I hear you. Yeah, I, I can understand all those opinions. I think one thing I, I think is really cool is that uh, it's it's still the case about Black Flag in particular. I mean, it's like we're here talking about this, like, 
we're like, it's, this is like like a ESPN show or something, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. we're just like, hey, man, you know, so what's going to happen this year in the American League West, you know? <laughs> you know? It's like Black Flag is actually the one band that, like, people argue about like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Like, like, everyone's got a different opinion on who's the best singer, which yep. is the best, like, do you, can you handle the late period? Can you not? You know, like, <laughs> you know it's like all that stuff. That's what I kind of love about them is that they as flawed as like those records were the late ones like they're compelling enough that, those like, are my people, favorite ones those man. are my favorite ones too yeah the, those are the ones everyone's still talking about it so that's pretty interesting for me I can't begrudge those guys in Flag doing this because I you know I feel like uh, you know I used to hate reunions and then I went to couple funerals you know <laughs> and I started feeling kind of like alright that's cool people should do whatever they want but yeah. but I know what you mean it, it doesn't seem in the there's something about it that seems like it's not in the original spirit of pushing forward. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I would love to see them if I could see them in a way that where I could be close enough to the stage to watch them actually play. Because I just every time I've seen Stevenson play, it's so amazing. Mm, I've, yeah. I've never seen Dukowski play. You know, no, he's, I he's an insane performer. He looks, you know, he looks like he's still really got the fucking energy. You know, Keith Morris is such a great frontman. I've seen him so many times. So, I. I would love to just be able to like watch them play, you know, you know, if I could be close enough to where you could see them, if it wasn't like in some huge fest or something, just yeah. for the musician's sake, sure, you know, I wouldn't have a lot of. Personally, I wouldn't necessarily be so invested in the outcome of it, you know, like what's it going to be like or whatever. I would just be kind of like geeking out, like, mm. like watching the drones, like all right, okay, yeah. cool. Well, watching Greg Ginn play for me would be like totally a massive thing totally he's been probably the single most influential force in my life him as well as Rollins have mm-hmm. been like probably the two most influential forces in everything I do be it music or you know podcast or like right. you know, all the fucking feeble attempts at writing that I do or whatever you know just my existence I guess in certain mm-hmm. ways is been so heavily inspired by the SST experience and you know right. that sort of like ethic you know totally so seeing Greg in play live would be you know I mean you've seen Greg in a bunch of times oh, yeah yeah you, know? you described him really well in the Vice article the signature the signature uh, headbang uh-huh. the uh, would you say the psych cyclical like plan it's like there's like a it's like a wheel it's like goes around like a uh-huh. circle yeah 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 yeah, man. Um, well, I got you know I got tickets to go see him here in town. <laughs> it's like right in this neighborhood too. It's a great point. Yeah. point. Yeah, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna not go to that. You know, <laughs> I mean, you described in the article playing with him, uh-huh. looking at you through one cl- closed eyes and peering at you to see what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, locked in together playing. That's incredible. You describe it really well in the article. I think that's my favorite part. Yeah, it kind of blew it blew my mind. Man. Like it happened a lot faster than I. Uh, <laughs> so what were your what was your impressions of I mean I've, I've you know I've never been to Taylor uh-huh. Texas so what showing up in you know you right. hitchhiked right yeah yeah and then showing up in town yeah when you finally got there what was your impressions of Taylor Texas yeah it's it's real small man um, it's real quiet real uh, kind of like windswept it's like the beginning of they live. 
<laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper just enters into LA yeah. kind of yep. wasteland. Well, I d- here d- I am. I'm ready to work. I definitely got a. Ri- I definitely in my hitchhiking trip down there got many rides with people who could have been in Repo Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you see, this is the premise of the story, right? It's like I'm gonna like I'm gonna hitchhike down there with this bass guitar, and because I'm hitchhiking, that's gonna prove again that I'm. The real deal, you know, right. I'm ready for anything. And yeah, he's got to fly down. Yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't take the mega bus. Yeah, you know, he's got he's, he's to let me in the door. He's got to give me a shot. That's the whole point, right? And, um, you know, it's like I have interviewed him, you know. I mean, I theoretically could have written to him and been like, hey, you know, but I, I felt like he was going to say no to that. Like, my my experience with talking to him was that he's very guarded. And I, I didn't think that he would give me an interview again necessarily because he was saying publicly he wasn't doing interviews, and I didn't think that he would be like, sure, come down and play. So I felt like the best chance was to go to this little town and just have a one-on-one thing, you know. So, um, and I had to think about it in terms of the journalism aspect of it, of like, well, if there's no story and he says no then you know also there's the hitchhiking story maybe there's something in there sure and I was trying to interview the guys from Flag at the same time oh okay so I was like set it up so that I could talk to them so the story could be larger about the reunions in general that interview hasn't run yet for some reason I don't know it's supposed to it's like supposed to be they're supposed to put it up online as a supplement Mm -hmm. but we haven't haven't done the final edit on it yet you know Um, so like I was trying to cover all my bases so I would have some story in case nothing worked out with him. Right. And, um, so I get down there and, uh, you know, I got to Austin in like five days and then my buddy drove me over to Taylor. It's like 35 miles, but it's like not 35 miles. Like, you know, it's not a suburb of Austin, you know, it's like, it's like just out there. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, it drops off quick. Cause I remember, I know, you know, there's the times I've been down there. Like yeah. once you leave the town, like Austin city limits, you're in the desert. Yeah, you know? so it's one of those towns you go to, and you're like, "What do people do here? Why are they? Like, how? Why do they live here?" Yeah, there's a freight yard there, and uh, when you're driving up into town, there's a, a building that has a a big uh, sculpture or statue of a cow hanging off the side of it. You know. Hmm some kind of stockyard maybe or something going on over there or just so maybe it's a butcher plant I, I should have got a picture of it for the story but yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're coming up on that you know it's just like flat yeah. d- dusty dry you know sounds like just Texas man yeah it's, it's like, just classic Texas yeah. you know like, when you go some some towns your imagination just can't get your can't get around it the southwest in general is like that for me like just um Cause like you know I grew I grew up here in like the Northeast you know New York dense, yeah. it's just like dense like you know going through like West Texas you know like El Paso and mm-hmm. into New Mexico and Arizona it just trips me out because it's so different and mm-hmm. like when you pull over on one of those like like southwestern highways mm-hmm. at a rest stop and you just kind of like regard the countryside <laughs> and you realize that like man if I walk for an hour in that direction I, I could die man yeah. it's, like, it's lethal. Yeah. You know, like just dehydration, like exposure. It's you know, not it's, it's not for humans. Yeah, it's yeah. like a heavy it's a heavy there's like a heaviness to being out there. Yeah. You know I mean? It's a real unyielding kind of landscape. Yeah. yeah. So t- you know, so Taylor was kinda of like that a little I get dropped off at the you know, the intersection of the 
Main Street and the highway, and, um, you know, then it's kind of humorous, because then I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm actually in Taylor. <laughs> so that means Greg Gann is somewhere here, I'm pretty sure, and, you know, unless he's, like, not even in town, what a drag that would be. And then, um, you know, and I'm like, well, I guess it's about to happen, you know, so I was getting a little bit nervous, and uh, I knew where SST was, because their address is just, yeah. you know, on the site or whatever, so I was, like, kind of walking in that direction, which is a street over from the main drag, and I saw a dude, um, they were across from the street from the post office, and I saw a dude with, like, uh, some tattoos and, like, uh, shaved head, and it turned out to be the engineer, uh, Mike, like, with a like a dolly of like boxes walking across the street to the post office. So I quickly turned the other direction before he could see me. I was like, Oh no, that guy's obviously works for SST. <laughs> and I'm, I'm walking around carrying a guitar and a sleeping bag. I don't want, yeah. it's like, he, he he's going to know I don't live here. You know, like he's going to know that somehow I'm here <laughs> to do something related to them. <laughs> Cause it's, I look too weird on this street. There's yeah, like, too out of place, there's like know. no one walking around. You know? don't, don't blow it, man. <laughs> so I was like, I gotta, I gotta come up with what I'm going to talk about before I can even, I can't, like, let them see me until I know what's going to happen. And so I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I turn left on that street, <laughs> and I walk down a couple of blocks. I'm just, like, walking down the street thinking, and that's when I walked by this building where I heard, you know, I hear, like, music playing, and I'm like, stop and listen. And it's like, you know, it's like Greg Ginn playing guitar yeah. with, like, some bass and drummer, you know? And I was like... Oh shit! You know it's like it's just Greg Ginn. It's like so obvious. He's yeah. it's like his solos. He's like doing his thing, you know. And I was like, oh my god! So he's in this building, okay. So then I just sat there and uh, waited, and uh, it was like a old furniture store or something. I went around to the front. The windows were all dusty. You couldn't see anything inside, you know. It was just like a empty storefront. That's where they're playing. In? That's where they're having their tryouts and their jams. It was inside of there, and. Uh, so I waited by the door, and, and uh, after a while, the door opened, and Gin walked out. And uh, I was just sitting there, you know, with <laughs> my bass, you know. <laughs> and I was just, like, reached up and shook his hand. I was like, hey, man, I'm Eric, you know. He's like, go, I'm Greg, you know. And I was like, well, I'm here to play bass, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then he's like, okay. So that that's when he, you know, he was kind of like, well... He looked kind of puzzled, you know, and then he was like, uh, well, where are you coming in from? And I was like, oh, I came from New York, I just hitchhiked down here, you know, and he's like, okay, you know, so he kind of just didn't really say anything, and he had these sunglasses on, so it's hard to read his expression, you know, and, um, and then he was like, well, you know, uh, I got some stuff to do for a little bit, but I can play it four. How's that work for you? You know, busy <laughs> <laughs> schedule and Taylor. You know, like <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, man, that's good. It was like two thirty. You know, it was like yeah. two twenty or something. Well, I was like, okay, man, you know, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is there anywhere, you know, like a coffee shop, some diner, I can go sit for a minute? And you know, he's like. No. <laughs> no. He's like, oh, there's like this sandwich shop over there, you know. So I was like, all right. So I went over to the sandwich shop, and I'm sitting around over there, and I was like, oh shit, I can't believe it, you know. And uh, I was like, got out my notebook, and I was taking some notes about what, what I, you know, for the story and shit. I was sure. Doing. But then the uh, when Gin had come out of the building where the music was, he'd come out with these two guys. Um, one guy was carrying a hard case, a bass case. 
it kind of had like a, you know, he had like a little newsboy hat and some you know, chain wallet and a, you know, he's an out of town bass player dude. And the other guy was, the guy I figured was the drummer. What's, what's a newsboy hat? It's like a little cap. <laughs> he, he looked like kind of a you know like a mighty Boston's dude, you know, or something. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, that was cool. Yeah, and uh, and the other guy was the guy I figured was the drummer because he wasn't carrying the guitar. Thing. Yeah. Thing. So this guy, so this guy walks up and uh, you know I'm like sitting there writing and I was like oh shit so I hid my notebook because <laughs> me and Josh have been talking before I went down about how his oh, bu- yeah. how his buddy may or may not have been kicked out of Greg Ginn's band for, for keeping a journal <laughs> so I was like oh shit I can't let him see that I write like, I actually have to act like I don't even know how to spell <laughs> like, I, like all I can do is play bass you know so I'm like so I hide the notebook and the drummer guy walks up and he's like hey man you must be the hitchhiker what's going on I was like oh you're the drummer and we're kind of rapping you know that's gonna be your band name Hitcher. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, they call me drummer, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And uh, he was like, just this kind of wild character. He was like wearing a, you know, mechanics jumpsuit and was barefoot and, um, kind of told me about the wonders of being barefoot a little bit. How it was like a big deal for him. He's like. Because I was kind of checking out his feet, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm barefoot. Yeah, you know, I've been barefoot for 25 years, man. Hell, you know, it's about, about, about the best thing that ever happened to me was going barefoot. Um, you know, how you really just want to feel the earth. Well, you know, there's a lot to that, man. Like, I've been doing a lot of reading about being barefoot, too. Yeah? And, uh, you know, there's, I, I actually, I was barefoot a little bit today. Yeah? You know, I was up in the country, man. Yeah, and, up in Westchester. Yeah, and I, I, had my, my, I was barefoot. Felt, for, felt pretty earth, good, and, right? But, no, but actually... You know, there is this thing of, um, you know, energy sort of uh, gradients and by connecting to not concrete, but the actual earth, you actually absorb these energy gradients in your body. You I know. can believe that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, this guy was on to something, I, I think. I don't think he was a wingnut. I think he was a free individual. Yeah, I, I totally. Was, I thought he was all right. Um, and... Um, so he, you know, he was kind of filling me in on the situation there, and <clears throat> that's when I kind of learned the humorous uh, fact that actually, um, actually they were trying out bass players, and I probably actually could have just called up and said, hey, can I come down there and play? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a guy that actually was jamming with them that was auditioning when yeah, you showed up. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and that's why uh, when I had said, hey, I'm here from New York, Ian had been confused, apparently, because he was kind of like, did I fuck up? Did I forget that I scheduled this guy? And right, he, right. he was kind of like, what have I done wrong? Like, you know, and then, you know, so that was what was kind of like hilarious to me. It was, he was like, so then the drummer was like, wait, you know, like, how'd you find out about this? And I was like, oh, I just came down here. And he's like, he's like, you didn't see the ad? <laughs> I was like, no, man. Where'd this ad run? He's, he told me, he's, he said that they put an ad in Craigslist. That's crazy. Right. That's insane. But, but then he told me that they didn't mention Black Flag in the ad. Oh, he just randomly said Seeking Bass Player. Well, he said, but I think he said they mentioned Good For You. Oh, but the mm. Mike V uh, yeah, band? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah. So, but, you know, it was like, I was just like, wait, you had an ad in Craigslist? I searched for the ad. I have not been able to find it. They might have taken it down, you know? Well, you know, you, but that, you, but play, that's what, you play that's, in a band and, like, putting ads out yeah. is like the worst possible way to find people right? to play That's in your band. That's how X got together. X put out a... Yeah, but that was like in 1977, man. Right. You right. know, but like... Like like you said, it's like when there's no rules. So yeah. Yeah. Like I, I know like 
you know, like over, I haven't done anything like that recently, but like I have in the past, like years ago, like put out ads for like, and you write down specifically in detail what you're into and like what you're, you know, like list of bands that you're in <laughs> and you get people who have no idea what the fuck you're, you're talking yeah. about, man. They're like, you, the guy shows up and you're like, oh, you ever hear Black Sabbath? He's like, no. <laughs> you know, it's like. So the first thing in the ad, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously didn't read this ad. You just find guys, people who want to play in a band and whatever, yeah. you know. So that, I find, that blows my mind that they did something like that. That's what I thought, man. Like, what about all this, that scene in a. In all those scenes in Sir Drone where the guy shows up for the ad, you know, like, <laughs> the guy shows up and tries to sell him the guitar. You remember what I was talking about? Okay, sorry. <laughs> we were talking about yeah. the Raymond Pettibone movie, Sir Drone. Yeah, well, we talked yeah, about, yeah, we talked about yeah, that yeah. last time a little yeah, bit. There's yeah, there's like guy, there's scenes in there where like the, the guy's like, I'm here for the ad, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like always just like, you know, some sketchy shit, you know? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been in an ad situation since I was a teenager, you know? Which is how I met a lot of people in South Florida as sure. a young punk, but like I wouldn't look for a band member that way now, you know. So that was kind of crazy. Um, so it's like, so I could have like got a free couch and you know, like all the things you can get on Craigslist, you know, could have joined Black Flag, you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, just like Craigslist, man, you know. Um, but anyway, so that, so then, and then he kind of laid out the stitch too about the good for you. So it turned out that it wasn't. So I had, maybe I didn't explain this in the beginning, but after Carducci told me about the record, that's when I looked at the, I looked at the press release and it said, you know, Black Flag was making a record and that quote, Dale Nixon plays on it, right? So Greg, great so game, Greg yeah. Ginn plays bass. They're booking tour dates, right? So I was like, okay, so they don't have a bass player. Like, you know, no, he might, you know, actually use a bass machine. He's that crazy, right? Well, they did that, they <laughs> did that on that reunion a, a few years, like, well, actually, like 10 years ago at this point, right? right. Didn't you go to that? No, I went to a warm-up show with the same lineup uh -huh. in Corona, which was just like Greg Ginn playing. And uh -huh. it was then, then he announced the Black Flag show right after that. So Mike V came out. It was the exact same thing. With the bass machine? I that? can't remember. I remember Greg. I remember Mike V. Uh -huh. I can't remember anybody else who's on stage. Gotcha. I was kind of crushed by how, you know, loved Greg in the 90s, like uh -huh. 95 tour. I was kind of crushed by how bad it was. Yeah. And that's all I could really think about. It's a shame. Yeah. There's no, you know. But he's not good when you played with him, right? He sounded really good, man. But, uh, yeah, so there's no reason to even think that they necessarily would have a bass player. But I was just like, well, you know, they probably have a bass player. So that's why I went down there. So then now I'm finding out that actually they were auditioning bass players. Right. So, so I was like, oh, shit, well, maybe I could actually. So my thinking starts shifting while I'm there, and I'm getting this kind of like, okay, like, what if I ditch the article and join the band? Whoa. <laughs> you know, like, what if I'm, like, the guy who went to interview, like, the Weather Underground and then ends up, like, you know, writing communiques and blowing up a bank, you know? Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, these guys are cool, you know? Like, and f fuck journalism, you know? I'm going to actually be in the band, you know? So, like, that's when it occurred to me. I was like, oh, maybe there's a chance that this could actually happen. This is too weird. I just, like, sailed right through the fence into this. I'm not playing with the guy for but I'm not much of a bass player in a certain way, so I've always played guitar and drums. So I wasn't necessarily certain that I could hook it up, you know? Um, but we went and played that day, and, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, that was a trip, you know? It's like we're, I'd been practicing all these 
Black Flag songs on the way down, you know, I'm like at the truck stop playing the bars, you know, I'm like doing yeah. that, I'm like, okay, I know these songs, now I'm ready, I'm fucking ready, you know, <laughs> I can do this, and I get down there and like, all of a sudden I'm standing in this weird empty furniture showroom with Greg Yen and the Barefoot Drummer with this like killer bass rig that, you know, I could never afford or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm just like... Well, right. What's the bass rig? You mean the, the bass guitar they gave you? Like no, the like the head. No, and I, the had a, I had a guitar. That. Yeah, like the amp and the cabinet. What do they have? Like you know, a bunch of amp peg stuff. And I don't even know. Like, and keys and all that. Yeah, I don't even know because I don't know enough about it in a certain way. You know, I'm like not a gearhead. You know, um, you know, I was just kind of like. I'm sure, like, they're the same as guitar amps, right? Like, nothing, like, I'm not, <laughs> like, I, I could just plug in, right? I'm yeah. not gonna, like, embarrass myself before we even, you know, so I was kind of, like, a little bit nervous, and then I was, like, about to be like, alright, guys, what song do you want to play? And then Gin just starts playing it, mm. he's just like, <laughs> and the drummer's just like, just, like, falls in with him, and I'm like, oh, shit, okay, so, it's just like that, you know, so it's like a total improv session, you know, so the next thing I know, I'm just going like, it's kind of like, you know, basically playing like some kind of Grateful Dead style, like grooving out with Greg, you know, like locking in on it, and I was like, wow, okay, this is unexpected, and then, um, and then it was like, it started to get real comfortable, and it was real fun, and like, I got a kick out of it, I'd never tried anything like that before, and just kind of like having a real pay attention to what's going on and yeah and uh he was trying to you know he was keeping it pretty like chill like within a couple chord range like it wasn't like you know and then he would go do his solos and stuff but it wasn't like something you could never follow or anything, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah yeah you know that would be a little unfair I think, yeah they were know? trying to you know they were trying to just see what what it felt like what sure. the, you know what yeah. the vibe was like or whatever you know and um but yeah, when yeah when he started like playing all the solos and shit, I was just like, oh my god, man, I can't even fucking believe it. It was like I just wanted to stop and like watch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I was just kind of just like, why am I? Why why are you playing with me? <laughs> you know, like, what is happening here? You know? Um, so, but it went. It seemed like it went pretty well. And then they were like, all right, man. So do, you know, they just were like, all right, man. So like, you stay over tonight and play tomorrow. And then I was like, okay, yeah. And then. Uh, that's when I kind of was like, oh shit, okay, maybe this could, maybe this is happening. I started texting a couple people out of town. I was like, hey, what should I do, man? Like, like maybe this could happen, but it's, I don't know. It's, you also have to join this other band too. It was like, it was like the gig they were laid out. We went back to SST after that, up the block to the warehouse, and again um, uh, went to go do some shit with his family that he had to do. And the, so the drummer was like, all right, so here's the Good For You record. It came out this week. Like, okay, so this is what we're going to be playing. Um, you know, he puts it on. We're, like, listening to it real loud. And, you know, he's like, what do you think? What do you think? It's good, right? It's good. <laughs> you know? The engineer said this? Yeah, and the drummer. And the drummer, yeah. too. And then they are just like, all right, so, you know, that tour starts in mid-April. So we only got five weeks. You know, we got to start fucking... We got to get someone in, in here. We're trying to wrap this up. Like, and then we come back and we practice with Black Flag then both bands go on tour Good For You and Black Flag and that tour is like booked, booked, booked they're just adding dates that's like you know they're like we're going into September right now and who knows you know and I was like oh okay so this isn't like the Black Flag reunion tour this is like this is like some serious work commitment you know this is like a real deal gig you know it's two bands and um 
So, you know, I was like, man, I don't know. And it, the Good For You record, it sounded all right to me, but it didn't sound like compelling enough to like bail on my whole life. You know? What, what was, was it like, you know, I, I haven't heard it yet. Well, I put uh, it on your, oh, really? on your wall on Facebook. You never listened to it? No. I sent you a link. You might, I didn't listen to the whole thing. You might thing. dig it, man. Right. It's, 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 it's out and around. Okay. Um, oh, well, you, since you did that on Facebook, I, I should listen to it then. You sure you did that? I thought I did. I didn't hear back from you, so... Oh, yeah, because maybe, maybe... Maybe you got lost. Yeah. I saw they, they were streaming most of the record live, too, um, on huh. their site. Like, okay. They were, like, making it so you could you could hear about half of it for oh, free. Oh, cool. Yeah, right, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I like, I like Mike V as a skateboarder, like, personality guy. Uh, I don't really know too much of him as a singer, though, really. Yeah. It's not about that. I mean, we had a cool conversation about it. Eric made a comparison. Yeah, you're pretty into it, right? I was into it, yeah. and um, you were saying something about it. There being a real strong connection to the in my head period. I could definitely hear that. Oh, okay. Um, my friend Wa- friend Joaquin mm-hmm. likes it a lot. Does he? He's really into it. He liked it. He's pointing out that it's got the humor that makes that made Rollins one of the best singers for the band. Mm-hmm. I think the other guys had humor too, but there's real humor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. So I, I thought it was strong. I, I mean, I haven't committed it to, like, the whole thing to memory like I would have if it had come out when I was 25. I would have probably been living yeah. with that album every day. Yeah. And I'm the, I think it's just because I'm older. I don't get as into rock as I used to. Yeah. But and, and, and the way you listen to it now, too. You don't buy a tape where you're carrying it around like an object. Yeah. That's kind of sad. But I dug it when I heard. But I, should, yeah. I still saw my list of things to do is buy that album. It's catchy, you know. It's it, like... um. The, it's like pretty riffy, you know, like the riffs are hooky, they're catchy, you know, it's like... But is it like that minor, like, evil, like, no, vibe? No, that, it's actually mm. pretty major. Oh, okay. It's very well recorded, it's in, huh. a, in a very clean and not that doomy, kind of strange, late Black Flag sound. I'll tell you what, man, in my head, I dig that, like, Dio production that they have <laughs> on it. It's just like, it sounds like the coldest, like... Mm. Record with like these this huge snare drum and it's like a, like almost like a rat album or something so like that. Weird. Mm-hmm. And the vocals with the crazy reverb. Yeah, and they're like kind of buried, you know. Yeah, they're like a million miles away. Yeah, yeah. I, I always liked the way that record sounded, man. And I, when I was doing that damage thing, uh, I asked uh, Rollins about those records because uh, I have that bootleg of the last Black Flag yep. show from Detroit where they had that too. Yeah. I think you, you I think you gave me like MP3s of that or something. Yeah, it's like the vocal yeah. performance is so powerful, you know? Yeah. But then on the record, it's like, you're just like, it's almost like he's being waterboarded or something. Yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's like underwater, literally. Yeah. You're like, what's happened to the singer? Is he okay? You know? And, you know, I was, I was like, what was up with that? And he was, he was just like, man, Gin's records, Gin's rules. Fucking ask him. Those records are sonically unlistenable, like, to me. Like, I just think it's a fucking shame how they turned out, you know? So, you know, but. So he's a plural records. Yeah, like I think he meant like all the ones. Yeah, like Loose that. Nut probably, because yeah. Loose Nut has a has a heavy metal like like feel to it, you know, like a like a L.A. like. That's what I always thought. You know, man. it's got this like fucking Bullet Boys like production on it. Or I always some thought shit, I know? always thought Loose Nut was almost like their like their like response to Van Halen, like taking Van Halen to its furthest extreme. I always felt the same way because the lyrics are so like fucked up in a like pro rock way, like that it's it's like beyond satire, you know, it's just like. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed really, like, 
like that, like a twisted version of LA metal. You yeah, know? like like let's make it fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's so funny. When you say loose nut, and I picture Van Halen. Uh-huh. I picture like a scrotum loose nut. When you say black flag, <laughs> I think of somebody going bonkers. <laughs> yeah, like but but like yeah. in my in my head is my favorite Black Flag album, man. It's just like there's such it's so dark too, yeah. man. Like that's a dark album, and it's. There's nothing really like energetic about it, you know what I mean? It's like a Melvin's record or something, yeah, yeah. you know. And it's the guitar playing is really killer. I and don't the, know. that exactly, dude. Yeah. The guitar player, the guitar playing on that record was something that was like I referenced so much, man. Like yeah. shit that I've tried to play or things I've tried to write, you know. It's a, it's a nice sense of things coming. I guess it could have done more albums, but there's still like a sense of things coming full circle. It's like um, we were talking about, like in your yeah. in Scam, you say that. There's never a Black Flag song where they use the word "we" after "damaged," after like spray paint oh, yeah. the walls. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the pronoun we, "we" disappears. We sort, but it's back on in my head. Um, Society's cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got up. It's not what we need. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so it's a return okay. of the uh-huh. return of the roots. Where talk about community, but it's this isolated record and. Well you, well, you know that thing that supposedly Rollins said to again. I mean, I don't, you know, like where there's this story where he said, like, "Hey, Greg, why don't we make one like the? Why don't we make a record like the last one? Like, how come we always have to be so far ahead of the fans? Like, like, you know, why don't why don't we just make another? Stay still for one album. So yeah, catch the Good for You record to me was a little bit like had that vibe too. Or it's like, well, if they had stuck together and made a made a record that was like a companion piece, a companion piece, it might have been like. The good for you, but the, the good for you is almost even a little bit more uh, accessible in a certain way. Um, I feel like you know, this is what I was saying to Josh. We were talking about last night. It's like I feel like it, like I like it in a way. It's just that it's it doesn't have that gain forward movement to it in a way. Yeah. So, and um, and I wasn't I didn't find the vocals to be super persuasive. Like in a lot of ways, like I felt like. The Mike V, it's obviously very influenced by Rollins in yeah. a certain way, mm-hmm. and it maybe would have almost better been better to find someone who. Could, I, mean, I would say Rollins probably just kind of retired that role, and maybe they need to take a different approach or something. I don't know, you know, because it, it almost to me the Good for You record almost sounds like a Rollins band record without Rollins on it, and like <laughs> that's not a promising proposition, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. in a certain way, you know. But I, I don't want to sound too critical in a way because I, I mean it's I just. It just didn't really. It's cool. It's like they're yeah. do, they're doing their thing, and it's it's definitely like a credible like you know tough rock release. It's cool. It's just like, but you know, I was in the position of like, would would I want to play in this band? And, yeah, it's a different know, scenario. And, and I, yeah, and I, I wasn't like moved by it like lyrically or you know in a certain way. Now I never got to hear the whatever the new Black Flag is like. Um, there was a CD there the whole time sitting on top of this console and it's a black flag rough, rough <laughs> oh, mix and it's just like sitting there and I was just like I can't fucking believe it like there <laughs> there's this CD and it says black flag new record rough mixes oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I like finally I asked the second day I asked again I was like hey, well, you know, can we you know, why don't we rock that out a little and see what that's like and you know he's just like oh, it's not ready you know it's, it's not mixed we can't really and then and the drummer was like that too. He's like, yeah, it's not mixed. We can't really, go, we can't play that yet. You know, we can't, you know, they were just very secretive about it. And I was like, fuck, fuck, I just want to hear this, you know, what's it like? 
So the gig would have been playing the two both bands, and then on tour on the second tour, I've been doing double duty, right? Right, right. So for me, you know, I, I was kind of like, well, I guess that's one way to become a killer bass player, but <laughs> but it's not, you know, like I don't know, like you wouldn't be really you wouldn't be like, hey, man, well, I wrote a song. You want to hear this one? Or, you know, it wouldn't no. be, yeah, you know. You could do that. You wouldn't be really, have that kind of autonomy. You know, I'm in bands, and I write songs, and I don't know. It, it, it didn't seem appealing in a certain way like that. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I think it, for me it was more about, um, I think, like, what this piece in a way was about is almost was like, uh, it was almost like a performance art in a way. It was like, you know, like, okay, if these songs, if the Black Flag or Flag are playing, don't have any connection to a specific time and place or a specific movement or even specific musicians, then what to push that to its absurd, most absurd level would be to just try to become part of it and be like, well, if there's no limit, then why can't I be in the band? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, why can't just some weirdo off the street like me walk in and be in the band? You know, like, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> why not? You know? So, like, I think it was kind of like that because I, like, I'm not against their unions or anything, but it was almost like just a way to kind of highlight, I think, some of the, the circus atmosphere of it, I think, yeah. you know, like kind of to make it even sillier in a way, you know? Um, but then, um, but then I, but I did really like have to consider it, you know, it was like, cause I was there, I'm there in the warehouse uh-huh. and like, it's super pro man. You know, it's just like these guys fucking are dead serious. They get up and make this music. That's what they're doing. You know, and the, the, I'm hearing the record. So he's, this guy's recording the records there in the warehouse and the records sound good and there's, you know, gear everywhere and he owns the building. It's like, there's no, he owns it. yeah, there's no bullshit. It's like, this is what's going to happen. You know, there's no like, you know, I can't make it to practice today, man. My band broke. It's like, he's got it all locked down. You know, it's like, you know, so it's like, that's a really attractive proposition just to like fucking, all right, man, we're dead serious. We make this music. All right, we're doing it. You know, like the world says that we can't do it. We're going to fucking do it. You know? So that's pretty cool. You know? So the scene was like, you guys are all living at the practice space or at the warehouse or what was what was the deal like yeah. what would have been the deal well yeah in the scam in the damage scam um, everybody from back in the time talks about how they lived at the unicorn warehouse yeah. where they recorded the record and they're all like living on the floor under these desks while they're making that record and um, doing the label in the same room and everything and this is basically the same thing you know I walk into the SST warehouse and the drummer's got a mat in one corner um, and he's got a desk and he's kind of got his little area cordoned off with a desk and a pile of like clothes and shit and he's back there with a laptop and in the far other corner the engineer Mike has got his gig set up he's got his phone mat out and he's and there's a stage in the middle or in the center of the warehouse so he's off to the side of the stage the internet connection yeah 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 they're all in there everybody's just up late on the computer <laughs> you see blue lights in the corner of the- and there's like a mat in the center of the room, and they're like, "All right, that's your mat," you know. Uh, Gin, I think, though, uh, used to live there, and now has a place down the block. Um, so he's not actually living in the same room. And um, 
Yeah, that, that was like the gig. It was like, all right, you come here, you live in this room, and you know, just keep on picturing the old west. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, what else is on the block? On the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the the main drag was kind of like a little bit western. Yeah, like like uh, a lot of one one story buildings. You know, like post office, little schoolhouse. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Texas towns are set up around a Texas like a square a lot of times, but this mm. one Taylor didn't have that main square in that way, or at least I didn't see it. Um, the main drag had like a, a couple gas stations. Uh, there was a, a theater that had a, like a two screen theater, um, you know, the, the something twin or something it was called. What was the sandwich shop like? Did they have like? Like shitty chair, like plastic chairs and stuff. Um, they I, call- I, yeah, up front there was like uh, plastic tables and chairs, and they had uh, you know free iced tea refills with mm-hmm. hamburgers and you know. <laughs> yeah, sandwich wraps. Not wraps, you know, just sandwiches. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like legit Texas style yeah. sandwiches. <laughs> That's good. Work. And there, and there was another spot where I actually did some of the phone interviews I did because that was the other very surreal thing was that like so suddenly I'm like playing music with Greg Yan and I'm in this in this warehouse but I'm like also trying to do these interviews with Keith Morris and oh, wow. Escadina okay. and yeah. you know and then there was a, a really big Mexican restaurant that like was mostly empty all the time but it was like enormous you know wow. <laughs> and I'd go in there and it'd be like just like tumbleweeds inside you know and they'd be like sit anywhere <laughs> and sit down and then <laughs> and they had like killer food and I was like sitting yeah. there. but like I you know I was just like sitting there and it was real quiet I'm like on the phone and like you know <laughs> you, ever, you ever been to Coeur d'Alene Idaho uh, just driven through yeah there's a there's a Mexican restaurant like that that like almost you know like on tour making that drive across yeah. there like about five or six times I've eaten in this it's like oh Curdaline man it's like two hours away let's stop for dinner and it's like pulling the Curdaline and there's like a fucking Mexican restaurant that uh-huh. used to be like a Polynesian restaurant uh-huh. so it still looks like a Polynesian restaurant and it has like you know that whole like decor inside uh-huh. but they have like killer Mexican food right on, and it's like man. this cavernous place that like there's only ever been like you know like five people in there. Yeah. <laughs> totally, man. I was just kind of I was trying to figure it out. I was like, well, maybe on Saturday night or something, like this place gets wild or something. You know, I don't know. Like everyone goes down to this place or something because it's probably it's big enough that you could probably like turn up the jukebox and I'm dancing or something. Sure. Really big, but I mean, there just wasn't much there, man. The, the day I woke up um, when I stayed the night and we were going to practice the next morning, um, I woke up and went out and there's an office there in the other side of the warehouse where there, somebody does SST stuff, like some yeah. SST employee. And I was like, say, hey, man, um, I'm going to get some coffee, you know, uh, what, what do you recommend? And, <laughs> and he goes, well, do you want cheap or good? And I go, I'll go ahead and go for good. And he goes, oh, Shell Station. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, wasn't kidding, you know. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, it was a cheap I know, one, so that I didn't even really, I was like, huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's like, really he's like, oh, Shell, man. Yeah, right, yeah, go. <laughs> What's lower than Shell? <laughs> right? So I was like, okay, yeah, I know where it is, man. It's just up the, okay. You know, so I just went to the Shell and got, like, the 24-ounce coffee. Yeah. You know. Um, but, yeah, like, I kind of, like, 
I texted with a couple folks who were out of town, like three or four people, and I was like, dude, man, I, you know, I'm here, and I, I, you know, they're into my playing, and they want me to stay, and I don't know what the fuck, and so some people were like, you have to do this, you know, they were kind of like leaning on me really hard, so then I, and then I just like really kind of like, was like, fuck, do I have to do this? <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was like looking around at Taylor, and I was like, I don't want to live here, <laughs> like, yeah, not for any reason, but like, you know, I was like, this is like, man, things are going so good back home, man. I love my house and my roommates, and you know, my other band's gonna record this record this year, and I was, I almost felt like I'd been like sentenced by a judge or something. I was like, <laughs> you know, I, was, I was like, do I have to do this? <laughs> oh no. And I got really, like, stressed out about it, man. Like, for, like, a couple hours, I was like, what do I do? Am I totally fuck? I, I, I don't think I want to do this, but if I don't do it, am I totally fucking up? Like, I kind of don't think so, but what if I am? You never know. Because you never know. Like, yeah. even, even if you're, like, in Good For You and you're like, whatever, I don't even like this band, you could be on stage somewhere and someone else is like, hey, bass player, join my band. Or, yep. Or you're on tour and you're in Europe and you find out that Rome is the best place you've ever been and you, you move there. Or, you know, it's like you just never know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, and also, I mean, even though as, as much as a drag Taylor sounds like, you probably wouldn't really be spending that much time there either. I started thinking about it, man. Yeah, I was like, might... okay, I moved to Austin, right? And uh, I get a shitty car, you know? And then I can, like, live in Austin. Miles, 30 miles. I can drive over mm-hmm. every day, right? And I can still, like, work on my book and shit I'm trying to finish, you know? I mean, hell, I... You know, didn't Kara put herself through UCLA while she was doing all that touring? Shit, you know, it's not easy, but she did it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could do this, you know, like maybe someone offered me a place to live in Austin, you know, and they were like, yeah, you could live in our, our room right here. And I was like, oh shit, you know, <laughs> should I do it? But, uh, I don't know, man, I, I didn't, uh, I should say this too, actually, this is something that's important, I hopefully... Um, we're so far out of the show now, but this is one weird thing that was in the story I didn't notice. Um, when they send back, you know, we were doing rewrites for a while, like right. editing stuff, and the last editing piece that came back to me, there's a sentence in it that um, was added by the editor mm. that um, I didn't catch okay. because I've been looking at the story so much and I was kind of yeah. sick, but there's a sentence where he says something like, where I say something like, like, it was all up to me to decide whether I would do it or not. Like, I don't think that's literally true. Like, I think that the editor was trying to make the point more clear. Yeah. But he didn't check with me and see if that was actually factually correct. I mm. I don't know for certain that if I had continued to stay there and play in the band, and like, as they had asked me to, even that I would have been chosen. That's true. Yeah. I don't know that for sure. So like mm-hmm. that's one thing about the article that unfortunately I think is a little misleading. It makes it seem like I like like they said, Are you in or what? And I said, Sorry dude, I'm not. That never happened. Okay. But what happened was they were like the sense that I got from it more was like, if you're here doing the job, then that's how you do the job. So if you're the guy who shows up and does it, then you're the guy who shows up and does it. Oh I got you, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and they're kinda like so like are you doing it? So probably, probably that was part of the process to find out where you were at as totally. like a dude, like as an totally. as an individual. Like if you were like, yes, I'm, I came here to do this. I want to do it. Okay, this is the job description. Totally. Are you ready to execute that job description? Totally, totally. Yeah. And from what I got from the drummer, like he kind of was like, no one wants to do it. You know, like no one wanted to be there. So what I was getting from them was kind of like, 
you know, he, you know, I was like, oh, how are the auditions going? And he's like, we're going, you know. He's like, yeah, we're having trouble finding someone to be down here, you know. So, so that, you know, led me to believe that if I, you know, it was like, if I stick with this and stay, then, the, you know, if I'm like, yeah, I'm here, I'm the guy, then, you know, whatever, you know, then that's the thing, you know. So that was a little misleading in the way that the final article turned out. It was more like they were like, hey, we really like playing with you. Stay here and play. You know, this is what it's like. Are you going to do it? And I was like, oh, I have to think about it. And they're like, hmm, <laughs> think about it. <laughs> yeah. Fish my hair, yes. you know, what are you thinking about? Like, you know, what, hmm. what do you, what's, what's on your mind that you yeah. <laughs> would have to possibly think about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my brother, he interviews people for his company, and uh-huh. he's told me before... You, when you interview somebody, you don't want to hear complications. You have to be careful about how you bring them up. So yeah. if at the interview, they start saying, well, I, I got to pick up my kid on Wednesdays. Is that going to be cool? Like, you have to present it in a totally different way. You have to be like, yes, yes. And eventually, you yeah. know, you start... Get, it, he said, as soon as people start saying, yes, but, he cancels yeah. them out. He's told me this many times. Yeah. yeah. I, I never fucking tell anybody what I got to do, like what my parameters are. If I take so, a job, I'm like, yeah, man, do it. Cool. No, like, oh yeah, I train Muay Thai from like twelve to two. Is that you know, just do it. Yeah. I'll stay an extra hour though. You know, like yeah, that kind of thing. Find a way to make it work. For yeah. Sure. You know, and people are usually amenable to that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't. You know, I think that going into it, I wasn't like, um, I wasn't like expecting to even be in that position. But I, yeah. I, if you had told me in advance, I probably would have been like, mm, I don't think I would do that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wasn't ready to, like, change the entire direction of my life and, yeah. and do that, you know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, you know, it was, it was killer playing with them. And, uh, you know, it was like, I guess they're out on the road right now. I saw there's uh, YouTube up of the Good For You. They're on tour. And, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah okay. They're, good they're, For they're, You. They're, they're, yeah, okay. they're out there doing it. And uh, whoever they got on bass sounds really good. It's like sounds real tight. Yeah, check that out though. Yeah. I think maybe I should go to that show, man. The one in that Warsaw. Are you gonna go? This is um, Black Flag. And you have tickets or something? I got a ticket for the second night. The first night was sold out. Yeah. I don't know if the second one's yeah. is. Or I'll find a way in there, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't get to make shows anymore. Maybe. I mean, I could see. I can't say yes now because it could be. I've got like a deadline for a book, and yeah. it's like, was this June or May? It's June 15th. And maybe, I guess my shit, my stuff will have been yeah. submitted by then. But going to a show, it's like six hours of your time, right? You know? It is. It really is six hours. But for you, because you live in Harlem. <laughs> yeah, for you it is. Yeah, for me, it's like about, you, you know, like an street. hour of my time. <laughs> <laughs> you know check them out, you walk home. You walk home. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it's a bigger, that's a bigger Yeah, it's a bigger commitment And, and that's like six hours. And usually, even if it's not six hours, somehow, it's still your whole evening. Yeah. So it might be that might be like me saying I have a choice between working for eight solid hours, yeah. or you know I'm not gonna fucking start getting dressed at six forty five and you know yeah. you know pacing myself so I get there at the right time then coming home at like um, twelve thirty that turns into two a.m. It's me staying home at my desk and doing my shit and that's important to me and yeah. I don't know it's weird how that's, that's what Black Flag would do. It's, it's weird how little I miss it, you know? Yeah. I miss opportunities. I'm like, sometimes, yeah. deep in my heart, there's a little sliver. It's like, damn, I wish I'd seen that. I wish I had seen negative approach three weeks ago. Yeah. And the other is a much bigger piece, which is like, this is, yeah. this is my, this is my black flag. 
I feel that, man. I, I totally feel that. I mean, I think that's really great. I, I admire that about you for sure. I mean, I feel similarly. I think that this year I got um, I got these two books that are halfway done. I'm trying to get them done, and uh, you know, these band projects that are like in partial stages of completion that I'm working on a lot. I feel pretty good about, and you know, I just wanted to continue that. I didn't want to join up with someone else's trip as much as I respect it, you know? And, uh, I mean, I, for me, I think that that was part of the ultimate kind of theme of the story for me a little bit was kind of two things. One, one theme is kind of like, you know, what does it mean to follow your dreams? Yeah. You know, like, what does it mean to be serious at what you want to do? You know, like, how can you relate, uh, you know, what Gin's doing or, or me going there as a dream or like all of this, like, how can you, you know, to your own life and think like, well, am I really doing what I want to do? Like, would I change everything if I had a chance? Or am I really doing, am I, do I feel good, you know, about yeah, what I'm doing? Yeah. Where am I at? Let's take stock, you know? And then the other idea was just, um, kind of saying like, you know, just trying to be a little bit like, hey, you know, make your own black flag, you know, like, to, don't, don't join the old days, like, do it now. Like, whatever that looks like to you, make it happen, you know? Like, like they, they did their thing, you could do yours, you know, and that's probably, you know, what needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, there's that, um, was that the, the limbic region of your brain and then there's the neocortex and like the limbic region is like the reptilian part of your brain, which is like your old brain. Mm -hmm. And that's where all of your, uh, I mean, I think, I think I'm right. I think I got the terminology right. Mm -hmm. But, um, that's where all your instinctual reactions come from. Uh -huh. And then the neocortex is like your reasoning. Uh huh. So all these like sort of gut reactions are actually your limbic instinctual old brain indicating to you what you at heart, what the right thing to do is. Right. right. You know, cause I, I saw this Ted talk recently about that and the guy was talking about like, he put it in this like marketing kind of way of like how yeah. they appeal to some <laughs> guy. Yeah. Like how like Macintosh, you know, and Apple, yeah. you know, appeals to your limbic region as opposed and like, you know, you know, whatever Dell will try to reason with you, uh -huh. and ultimately, Where's Apple <laughs> succeeds where Dell fails because they're appealing to like your instincts. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like while you're doing this thing, it's like if there's, you know, it's good that your your sort of old brain was able to like point you in the right direction mm -hmm. as opposed to reasoning it away by being like, oh well, it's Black Flag, it's like Greg Ginn, yeah. you know. But like you were getting this feeling of like the right thing to do is to do something else. Yeah, you know. It's true, man. And also, I know it's, I know it's difficult and what's not. I mean, it's like to go on tour with them would have been very physically demanding. Oh yeah, would have been very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and also to not really have the mastery of the bass. You know? Yeah. You know? Like I, I, I definitely could do it. Like I know that I can play the bass in that band. Like, yeah. but it, I, it would be a learning curve. I would be, I would be improving a lot. You know, but it's, but I know that it's just a little bit beyond. Like, I'm already, like, I'm in these bands that are, like, geographically challenged. We meet up and, like, sleep on the floor somewhere for two weeks and yeah. write songs eight hours a day. And yeah. then, you know, it's like, I can already endure that hardship and stuff. It's just a little bit beyond. In a way, maybe it wouldn't even be because Drummer told me that they'd be getting hotel rooms and there's more money involved now than it used to be for Black Flag. So, you know, there's probably more comfort level than yeah. I'm used to, you know, in a yeah. certain way. It would have been hard, you know, but it would have been... It would have been like turn off your mind hard, 
not like learn how to write a novel hard. You know, yeah, the, the, yeah shit I, the shit I know deep inside. Like I'm, you know, I want to learn to write better and yeah. push myself forward in that world. You know, and like that is like you know facing the blank page and being like, you know, how am I going to get better at this? That's that's actually difficult. Yeah. You know. And, like, that's that's where my fight has to be in life, you know. It's the stuff that I know I need to do that I know is hard for me to do, you know. And not just, like, someone else's tasks. More, yeah. You know, you know I mean, I mean, it's a hard know? decision, man. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. I recently kind of faced something similar to that with, um, I was doing this freelance work for uh, Audible.com, which is, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, the yeah, audio, sure. audio yeah. book. And it was, you know, the... Money wasn't that good, man. It's like I looked at the Data amount of hours. What's that? Data processing? No, it was, well, it was like doing the post-production on the audiobooks. You know, like so. Editing or, or part of it? Like sound editing? Or? Yeah, editing and like mastering this, you know, mm-hmm. the material. And, Which, and it, what was the best book that you worked on? None of, nothing. Uh, <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> it was like, dude, the first, the first, well, actually I only did one. Okay. Yeah. And, and I knew it wasn't for me. It was that sort of limbic region trip where it's mm-hmm. like. Like, if I do this, I can be busy. I can make money. Not a lot, but enough to sustain myself if I, like, was really diligent about it. But it was the same thing you were talking about, turning your mind off. You know, it's like, it was like one fraction of a percent of all the skill I have doing audio engineering I would have to do to this just so I can say I'm a freelance audio engineer. You know, and it just wasn't worth it for me ultimately. It's like, the one project I did for them was a 529-page book on the periodic table of elements. <laughs> and it was the worst. I'm glad that was the first thing I did, man, because that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. He was a celebrity who they got to read it. It's some guy. I don't know one. Uh, it was just some dude. It was like a voiceover you know, talent. Missed opportunity. And uh, it was the thing where like, I actually, it, 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 it took my whole life over, and there was thousands of things. Well, you know, not thousands of things. But yeah. like, there was a multitude of things I would rather have done right. with my time. Like, I actually had to postpone a podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was rehe- we were recording our d- a demo of new material. Right. And while I was recording, we were doing drums. So, and I was just playing scratch guitar. And while we were recording the drums, and I was just supporting Andrew, I'm like, all I was thinking about was the yeah. amount of work I had to do when yeah. I got home. Right. And right. when we were done with the session, it was just, like, anticlimactic in a lot of ways. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go home. And I spent five more hours doing this stuff and Turning not sleep. Turning my mind off. Yeah, yeah man. So you're it's like, right. you know, the, bull, you're not right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not right. You're not right. You know? And I just, like, it's, I mean, it's it's comparable, I guess. You yeah, know? It's, it's like totally. You, it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, I put my invoice in and then, it's, you know. Yeah. And as soon as my invoice went, I'm like, swipe my hands. I'm like. This is mm-hmm. it for me. Right, because you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to push your music forward and, yeah, all that. You know. That, and also just my, my, my mind, man, like, just, like, my intellectual capacity, and that mm-hmm. was, like, a big step back for me to, to do something that, like, was, like, just hours, you know? Mm-hmm. I would sit here in this room and I'd be like, you know, I, man, I just fucking just like, wasted <sighs> eight hours of my life mm-hmm. that I'm never going to get back, and I yeah, felt like time slipping away and all this other stuff, man. And it's like, it sounds like if you'd gone on these tours, maybe that would have been something you were feeling too, man. Uh, Yeah, but it seemed like there's no end in sight. It's easy to think like, you'd be a year down the road, just like, you know, I'd be like, in a year, I'd be like, homeless and broke and not have written these books. And, yeah. And like, perhaps maybe not getting as long as well with my new band. (laughs) You know, like, you, you know, being like, 
you know, just like, then what would I be doing, you know? <laughs> like, it's, it, didn't, it didn't seem like building for the future in a certain way to me. But you never know. Yeah. You, you never know what's going to happen, you know? It's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I followed, I followed this lark all the way to that point. So, you know, maybe performance art would have been, to go all the way, would have been to be like, all right, now I'm the basis of right. you know, <laughs> just see what happens. What Andy Kaufman would have done. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, just like follow that for a year or whatever. I mean, a lot of people were like, well, why didn't you just tell him you would do it and then quit? Wow, well, that's... And I was like, I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's Greg Ginn, man. <laughs> I, I can't like lie to Greg Ginn. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm your guy, man, totally, and then quit in two months. Yeah, I, re- I really liked in the article that you said there's something about Greg that makes you want to stick your neck out for him. Yeah. Like, because you said it even stronger, I think. But. Something like, I can't remember what I said, but yeah, it's like, yeah, you're not, like, someone who's, like, fought these battles, and you're just gonna, like, up and lie to them, so you can yeah. play for two months on stage, like, yeah, I couldn't do that. Well, there's always those stories, you know, like, you go on tour with certain bands, and there's, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's the guy who stays in the band, but then, like, they, you come, you, you get to his hometown, and the dude just bails and he quits, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like, there's yeah, always, yeah, like, yeah. there's invariably a story like that with every band <laughs> I've ever been on tour with, it's like, why? Oh, he just goes back home. Well, there's, you know, yeah. it's like, it, name the reason, you know, like, he's a drug addict, or, like, his girlfriend's pregnant, or, like, you know, fucking... He got a, he hates the fucking singer or something like yeah. that or like you know the only reason man there's every there's every reason to do that dishwashing job back. <laughs> yeah you know and it's like I've seen that yeah. happen so many times on tour man like you know like touring like oh yeah we're, we're playing like San Jose or whatever and the dude's like oh fucking bitch player quit or some shit you know totally yeah you know? totally yeah I could have done yeah I could have come here and play that big gig up in the park in Williamsburg and then just walked off the stage yeah. and cut the G and got yeah. home. <laughs> See you yeah. guys. <laughs> but you don't want to go out like that. Man. Yeah, no way, man. They live. Here's the end of it. Yeah. But, but you know, but like, who knows what they're going to do? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I wonder, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, but like, you know, like, are they really going to beat Black Flag and like, just keep putting out records? And like, who knows? You know, like, so they might be, like, planning for this epic future, or that might even mm. be a bluff, too. Who knows? I mean, like, who, who knows what's about to happen here? Yeah. Weird, yeah. Yeah, if you think about it, you know. I never, yeah, never got over the mystery of why he did three solo albums in 95 and then mm-hmm. stopped dead. Yeah. Just yeah. an aberration. Well, yeah, or, like, why, yeah, why, like, do solo records and then... Re- re- and re- and then why call, and then why do what's basically a solo record again, but call it Black Flag, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So once you start going down that path, then it seems like it starts to seem maybe like there's more than meets the eye in a lot of ways, you know? It's weird. It's like, you you know, did you miss it? Is is that what you're trying to claim now? You missed it so much, it's calling you back. Why now? Right, right. I'm really interested now. I wasn't interested at all Uh until I started hearing stories like this. And I started, you know, I read the article that you wrote, and Uh I was like, wow, this might actually be... Inter- at least interesting. It's I don't know if I'll be, like it's it. Be interesting, yeah. Yeah. So what's now, it, what's it gonna be like? It's like, I mean, when he did the Gra- Greg Ginn band, they had a song. I might have said this before when we got interviewed. They had a song that sort of, they, they the band kind of communally gave birth to called "Fucked Up." Did I tell you the story? No. Uh, they're playing that with, uh, or "Good for You" has a song called "Fucked Up." Uh, and they, Is it fucked? There's only, up, yeah, there's only, it's the only I, lyrics, right? That's how the song evolved because they just needed something to play at, 
at um, sound checks. Oh no, no! During um, the finish off the shows, the encores. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like you guys get the message, right? Okay, so this is the last thing we want to say, and it put a punctuation on the show. So it's a sarcastic song, and Greg would go up and he'd be like, "Hey, everybody! Now it's the time for the sing along part of the night. When I say fuck, you say up." Okay, and then the whole chorus is "I'm fucked up, I'm fucked up, I'm fucked up," and it's kind of like seemed to be like a sort of a, a play on the idea of what a huge stoner he is, mm. and uh, but also like that's so part of me as we're having this conversation, and it, and it kind of rocked though mm. the songs were rocked, and it evolved into this thing that I think was a little ditty into this big soaring ferocious like last gasp of the night so it was kind of cool where at the end at the end of it he's screaming I'm fucked up I'm fucked up mm-hmm. and it starts to seem psychological like like all the other great early Black Flag songs mm-hmm. I don't know I just part of me start having a vision of I wonder if he's gonna have fucked up parts one through <laughs> one parts one through five well I saw I saw the YouTube clip the other night was was good for you playing that song it's the only lyrics in the song right fucked up exactly yeah and, uh, it, but, but it was but it's like singing huh yeah but it was at a sound check it seemed like because there was no audience there huh. um, but uh and it it didn't have some of the dynamics that you're suggesting <laughs> interesting <laughs> but also it could have been a sound check so, maybe yeah. it's going to evolve yeah. again organically yeah, like yeah, the other yeah. song did I swear I think I saw him do it once and it was kind of mild <clears throat> and I saw him a few months later and they've been playing it every night and the yeah. thing had just been snowballing yeah that's the thing, I guess, between you know, Black Flag and Flag. It's like Flag is not going to be any growth. It's just going to be a, a right. rundown, like a right. review of like material. But with Black Flag, I feel like it's now. I'm, that's why I'm interested because now I'm like, there's new mm-hmm. material. There's like this whole trip with like yeah. this new band and everything, yeah. and, and you know the sort of intent is there that seemed to be from the original days. You know of this right. like intense, you know, mission or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, it would have been really cool if uh, it would be super cool if Flag was doing more songs. I would really love to hear that. But uh, this in the interview we talked about, they seem pretty like there's no time. Like they're all mm. like all playing bands, and Tukowski doesn't have any songs left over laying around anymore. So the uh, yeah. So the album, the Black Flag album. Is, is that's not out yet it should have been out like months ago right? that's what they were saying yeah so no one's heard it I don't know and then I, I can't remember when their tour starts I think it's in May though what the art will be like yeah. I keep on thinking about that more I, petty I thought bones. about that too yeah, yeah no petty bones so what's the art going to be like yeah, yeah I know, I'm pretty yeah. sure petty bones not going to be working they haven't t- spoken this night since 1986 Ugh. I can't imagine that this is going to bring it back yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Ron Reyes wasn't present for any of this, right? Uh-uh. No, that's the thing, there. too. They were saying the Taylor thing would be like, you would, you know, you'd live there at the drummer, and you'd be writing this material for both bands all the time, you know? Uh-huh. But then they would just bring in the singer whenever it was time, you know? Um, so Reyes is going to stay in Vancouver, Canada, where he lives, and Mike V is in L.A., I think, right? I no. I think he's in Austin, Texas, but, right? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, might, he might have moved to Texas, but they made it sound like he wasn't. He wasn't there at the time when okay. I was there. He he was not in town. Um, He's also Black Flag's manager. He that he did a press release the other day. Yeah, you tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Where he accuses Flag of being cashing in. It's a really to... interesting headline because the headline yeah. was it's all about money. Where I thought he was going to be like, fuck it, you know, you know, we're all about money, 
and mm-hmm. then he, which I was like, wow, it kind of gets points for honesty. Mm-hmm. And then you read it, and he, it was misleading. He's like, they're about money. Black Flag mm-hmm. was never about that. Right, right. Huh. It's hard to imagine Ginn needing the money. I mean, you could argue that he already has money that belongs to a lot of other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. so you know, it's kind of, I mean, he owns his building. I don't know. You know, it didn't, you know, it, it doesn't seem like that would be the motive for him. Yeah, right? see, it's so easy for people to look prosperous when they're not. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But, I mean, think about the back catalog of SST Records, man. Yeah. The entire, you know, I'm sure, like, when Dex didn't, uh, was it DG, whatever the label that Sonic Youth was on, didn't they buy their catalog from him? DGC. Yeah, DGC. Yeah. Wasn't that like, that? Right. I'm sure that went for a lot of payday, money. right. That was right. a big payday. Enough money to whip, you know, is it yeah. three, time, three lifetimes worth of money? Because, wow, you know, yeah, whatever he was accustomed to living off of 10 years ago, maybe that's been cut down to a sliver, to a 50, 50 you know, look at how many you know, people aren't making money off of music anymore. Yeah. You know, and then just, just on the strength of releasing Black Flag albums, you know what I mean? Like right. Damaged. Like, who doesn't own a copy of Damaged? Right, right, You know? Right. Do you follow right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like yeah, just yeah. straight up on, like, legitimate record sales, SST's probably made a serious amount of money. Yeah. Just on those two things. Yeah. Now, forget yeah. about Eye Against Eye. Flip your way. You know, flip your way, yeah. but, you know, who's could do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Minutemen, I'm sure, have sold a ton of records. Soundgarden. Yeah. Wow, uh, yeah, Ultra Mega Okay. Right. You know? I mean, Screaming Trees got signed to a major label. Yeah. You know? List goes on and on, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, so I'm sure that he's, he's, he's made money, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's true. Though it seemed like they squandered a lot, too, in that whole mm-hmm. late 80s burst when they put out, like, 100 records in a year or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah stuff like, you know, like Trotsky Ice Pick. And, yeah. You know. Though apparently Zoog's Rift is really cool. I just never gave it a chance. <laughs> it's just I got lost in all the releases, man. Yeah. I, like, recently was moved to, like, learn more about Zoog's Rift, and I was like, oh, man, it sounds like it's really interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. If you, find, bands, like, if you could find a record now. <laughs> like, we were talking about, um, you know, earlier about Trash American Style, and, yeah. like, I would always find, like, you know, in the used bin there, there'd always be, like, like Slovenly or, you know, some of those, yeah, like, yeah. more obscure SST bands. Yeah. They had a band called Slovenly? Yeah, dude, but that's Slavenly is killer. That's, They're actually good. That, that's really Tom, good. Tom from Slavenly is the guy who plays with Mike Watt now. Yeah, and he's killer, man. They're, mm. they're good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Although I'd find those for like a dollar, man. And yeah. So I was just like, oh, cool, it's an SST, and so that, I have yeah. a bunch of these more obscure releases just because they were cheap and that's used and whatever. I find CDs for like a, you know dollar. Even even so much of that stuff that was really great, it's like a lot of people just kind of haven't been got into in the same. Even like Sacrament Trust or something, where people mm-hmm. are, you know, I go nuts over Sacrament Trust. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like it's it's yeah. so good, but it's so overshadowed, yeah. and then people just never really fall into it, you know. But it's like pretty amazing stuff, you know. It's like that. That's yeah. one of my favorite SST bands, actually, yeah. Sacrament Trust. You know, and and um. I mean, they have like you know, human a human uncertainty is like sort of like a hit, yeah. I guess, with certain people. You know, yeah. like people reference that song a lot. It's a great song. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Saint Vitus was on SST too. Yeah, Saint Vitus. Yeah. Yep, that's that's Wino, right? Wino, yep. Yeah, and they're they're kind of getting their due now. Well, yeah. they're back now. Like they yeah. have, they released an album last year. Carducci said they're huge in Germany. Yeah, that they, they they're like a money-making band. Well, Doom, German, Doom you know. Metal is huge in yeah. Europe anyway. Yeah. So that stuff is like, you know, they're like grandfathers of that whole thing. Yeah. 
you know, well, Wino wasn't always in the band, though. Mm. It was, um... Some other guy, I can't remember. Yeah, but, I mean, Wino, you know, is in the band now, because he's, like, you know... He was, like, you know, the obsessed, and, and, uh... He's got a ton of bands. The Hidden Hand. You sure, sure. You know. Candle something. Uh, Place of Skulls. Uh, you know, his own solo stuff. He has uh, Hour of Hour 13 or some shit like that. It's like some new band. So that's interesting that at some point, SST was so collaborative that Rollins was like, we'll get this music from my community. Bad Brains are from D.C. Wino's from D.C. Yep. Let's, bring them, let's bring them. And Gin was, uh, you know, into that. I guess so, yeah. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of killer stuff. I mean, there's something really, you know, and then, of course, they're trying to publish Charles Manson. They're trying to publish Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I remember, yeah, I read, read a bunch about that. <laughs> Charles Manson would be in jail right now, like, that motherfucker's got my royalties, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you better believe I'm going to yeah. get out, Greg. <laughs> they're, having a, they're having a war every night with a psychic. Comes up yeah, some psychic <laughs> somewhere. Totally, man. Greg's like, I'm staying free, and Charlie's in jail. <laughs> Is that uh, see? I see that book, um, spray paint the walls. I forgot about that one. Is that a good read? I actually haven't read it yet, and I think the reason why I'm resisting it is because the English guy wrote it. Yeah, the English yeah. guy wrote turned on, and it was great. This book is rife. Yeah, with, but this book is rife with error. And I heard that too. I heard there was a lot of issues. I'm still going to read it though. Yeah, that's actually not my copy. He definitely refers to the to the classic Orange County band, The Misfits, in there. Oh, I heard. Ouch! How can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a story in there that he talks about where uh, where he quotes like Henry and Spot as saying that like a undercover policeman came into the Unicorn Studio and ripped the ripped the uh, damage off the reel or tried to and they had like you know the, the under, like undercover cop basically tried to destroy the reel that yeah. became damaged you know and uh, I was like wow that's an intense story you know and, but they were like that never happened yeah. <laughs> and like Spot isn't in the zine because he's he's working on a new he's working on his own memoir and he didn't want to spill all his stories but, yeah. but I was like well let me just ask you this one question then what about the thing with the reel and he's like that's insane <laughs> he's like that's totally never happened yeah. whoever, whoever said that's hallucinating yeah. and I'm like man this guy in the books got you saying it you know it's like that's yeah. totally never yeah happened. I, I, that one, I haven't read that one and it's just like you know what even, even the turned on to, um, thing it's a little cunty man like there's like that British cuntiness in it just smidgens of here and there of like this this, this Brit cuntiness that I can kind of was like turn me off a little bit uh-huh. where, where do you where to come up I mean the only thing that seems questionable about the book because it seems passionately written is just you're reading it and you just know it's unauthorized and that he starts off with a little anecdote about how isn't it the same guy is it I don't know I think so oh that's interesting it makes me want to read it I really liked it or not. I thought it was solid I read it quite I read it two and a half times I think there's cool stuff in here, though. I mean, for yeah, sure. I mean, I'll probably yeah, I'll probably read it. That's like that's not even mine, actually. My buddy's copy that. of it. I mean, yeah. He um, put down that Star Trek book I'm reading and read that. He talks to a lot of other, right nice. Now. He talks to a lot of other people who are around. You know, like Red Cross dudes and stuff, and you know, like there's like a lot of other people in it that have really good stories, you know, that are like real long stories you know that was the thing about turned on it seemed like he forged good relationships with everybody in everybody in the black flag days and nobody who was in Rollins circle at the time would talk to him right right so I thought that was interesting and here there's no Gian or Rollins 
He doesn't have any interviews. It's all... He, he didn't seem to have access to Rollins for sure and turned on and yeah. still and on the back in. But everybody else, yeah. I figured it was all the people who had had stories told about them and get in the van who were like, mm-hmm. he wasn't... Yeah, sure, man. It's like, you know, he didn't ask our permission to talk about us. But everybody who was in Rollins' life currently, he starts off the book with an anecdote where he tried to call somebody who was in the circle and they were like, oh, we've heard about you and we've been instructed uh-huh. not to talk to you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I mean, they talk about Rollins and psychedelics too, which I thought was cool because that doesn't really get played out too much. And it's so obvious. Oh. You see the transformation if you read in between the lines and get in the van mm-hmm. where he starts off very linear and, you know, he's like, today, today, you know, the, we covered this mile, this 600 miles and I ate this many cows. It's just everything's very yeah. linear. And then you read in 35 <laughs> pages later and he's like, let me tell you something. I'm the I'm, dark lord. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm like a snake and then my eyes are open 24 hours a day. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, man, did you see, I mean, if we're going to geek out about Black Flag shit though, that We Got Power book. Oh, I got to read that too. It's killer. Yeah, man. Um, dude, no, that book is really good. Dave Markey hit a home run with that one, man. It's like, it's the first old days book that I've seen that like makes you feel excited, like in the way that it felt, like it, where it doesn't seem like a museum, but it, it's like all the photos are like of kids. It's not like all bands. Yeah. It's like, it's just kids being goofy in LA. Like there's this photo of like 19 punks in a van, like all, this, you know, and you're just like, that's my life, you know, like yeah. right on, you know, it's like. It's just, it's really sweet, man. And, um, there's, it's a lot of photos and, um, it's got the reprints of all the magazines that we got power issues, but there's only like six of them. So that's at the back. It's like all six issues. And in the front is all these killer photos that are just capture that spirit of being a kid in the scene. And then there's all these essays that are really good. Mm. Um, that are just about, like, DIY. Like, you know, I think uh, Jordan Schwartz and Marky wrote this piece about just, like, yeah, we were kids, we made a magazine, and then we could go anywhere. We could get into any show for free. We had a reason to be, you know. Yeah. We, you know, we got a camera. We just did whatever we wanted, and we did it for our magazine. You know, it's like, it's... But Henry has a piece in there about acid, about taking acid, and it's really good, and it's one of the best things... I'm not a huge fan of Henry's writing, actually. I like, I like his writing the, a lot. This is the best thing I've ever seen that he's written. It's very. I gotta pick up a copy of that, man. I heard, I've heard about it. But the thing he writes in there is very, very good. It's very human, and it's a reminiscence about like some dead people from LA, and he talks about taking acid and hanging out, and it's it's really well it's really well done. Yeah, but I was surprised because he's just, he's like, oh yeah, I was taking acid, and blah blah, blah. and then the second time I did acid, blah blah. blah. All right. It's worth checking out. It's an important developmental tool, I think, for a lot of people. <laughs> totally. Psychedelics. I, did, I, did, I had my share, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm still an, uh, I'm not an avid mushroom taker, but like, uh-huh. you know, I think maybe twice a year, once a year, like yeah. a, a heavy, you know, like a, a, you know, like Terrence McKenna suggests, a mm-hmm. hero- heroic yeah. dose. June fifteenth at the Warsaw. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's I'll be there, man. June fifteenth, Warsaw. It's an effect, man. All right, there's man. some there's some quote I think it even goes back to the late sixties where start people there was an awareness and observation that, you know, despite the reputation of, of hallucinogens to be for groovy peace love people, it was always for it was always for um, angry people. And that that was there was quotes in the Turned On book where people were like he Rollins took it to become to be get more in touch with his anger. 
I don't think it made me more in touch with my anger. I think it made me more sensitive to other people, really. Yeah. I think that, like, um, you know, using psychedelics, like, like specifically mushrooms. Acid, I don't really think, for me personally, was, mm-hmm. um, was like, very helpful. But um, <laughs> I think the full quote was, I think, craziness and anger. And that's my experience of acid is, like, just rushing open, rushing, you know, just cracking open the door, just letting those feelings just rush through. And I do remember it being a very exciting, very like energized kind of energy and more about up, being up than it was about, you know, feelings of peace. Yeah. On my experiences, I think it's more like, um, like separating your ego from like, almost like what your higher self is in some ways. You know, like sort of a dissolving your personality, and uh, it allows me allowed me to like understand that everyone is not just a reflection of like me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like for right. many years of my life, I lived my life being like, you know, I can't understand why this person would act that way because I never would mm-hmm. do that. And everyone, it was I had this like really solipsistic view of the world mm-hmm. where everything existed as a reflection of like my own ego. So I think, like, by doing, like, heavy psychedelic doses, it sort of separates that, like, you, like, that, the personality and, like, maybe, like, what I'm going to call, like, you know, like, my, my higher self or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, you kind of, like, understand that there are every, everyone else has their own experience and that they're not necessarily a reflection of yours. And if they're doing something contrary or in conflict with you, it's not... To, to make it to, to to cut to the chase, it's nothing personal in some ways. You know what I mean? It's just like that's what ne- moving to New York was like for me, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a psychedelic experience. It's like nothing's personal, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like yeah. I, for me, for me, it really helped that that yeah. type of development. Really, you know. What I mean? In San Francisco, you might like try to process with every stranger, but <laughs> yeah. in New York, you're like, it's not personal. <laughs> yeah. And then also seeing fucking you know, entities and shit like that, like uh-huh. other fucking worldly creatures, you yeah, know, yeah. Oh, like man. lurking, like, you know, beyond the black rainbow somewhere, man. John Joseph wrote about that. What? He said he, said he took hallucinogens and he saw a giant, <laughs> massive claw come from the sky and take a swipe at him. And he said that, uh, poor John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then he had. I'm thinking of, I've gone too far away from that book to get the quote right, but he basically talked about. He's like, you know, I'm a Krishna, and there's other planes. There's demigods on these planes. There's demons on these planes. Uh-huh. So whatever frequency you're on, and where you're at in your life, and how he goes, that's what you let in. And I saw that on hallucinogens. And he then he went on to say, you know, schizophrenia can also make those doors open up to and make these levels of reality available to you so that when you see a really disturbed person on the street and they're you know a schizophrenic person who's been let loose from a mental hospital is walking down the streets of new york and they're physically screaming and fighting with something you can't see he's like it's real to them yeah, yeah. absolutely they can yeah. have like a, a demon like a yeah a yeah. vedic demon on their on their bodies that they're struggling with hmm. and that's that's really like you know um even even the perception of reality I mean, as humans, like there, there's stimuli that we're not seeing, like because of our brain, like our neocortex filters out certain things because it's not essential for our survival. You know what I mean? Right. So like animals see other things because it's essential for mm-hmm. them to survive. Right. They have different senses, like, you know, cats can see in the dark and all this other 
simplified stuff. So it's like, I believe like a lot of the ways like you're, if you alter your consciousness, it's removing a filter from like your perception of reality mm-hmm. and whether or not it's a real connection or if it just actually exists internally, it doesn't even really matter because to, to you, you're ex- you really are experiencing these things. Like you might not literally be experiencing them, but like your brain is perceiving it as reality. So it's the same to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then whatever you get out of that, however that changes you as a person or, or alters the way you see the world, it's like it's just as valid as like, you know, going to school or like learning a fucking language or something like that, you know? Right. So Man, I just I just had to quit doing shit like that when I was a kid. I just got in too much trouble. I, you know, I'm already like a no limits kind of person in a lot of ways, you know. And like, yeah. You know, like acid would just be like, you know, there was yeah the, too much of that superhuman feeling. You know, I just remember like I remember like a sitting on the street, I was drinking a beer and acid, and this girl was sitting with me, we were having a good time, just hanging out, and this cop, like, rolls up, and is like, what's going on, kids? And I was like, fuck you, pig! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck away from us, you know? And she's like, whoa, chill out, dude, why are you fucking with the cop, you know? <laughs> and he was like, what? You know, and he gets out, and I was like, you know, oh, just, I was just shit, like, that was happened? me on acid, you know, yeah. I was just, like, ready for anything. When, when did it happen? Um, he, he was just, he, like, like was so, like... He's like, you're so out of control. <laughs> like, leave. <you> know? <laughs> it was kind of like that. You know? Oh, man. One time I was yeah. in L.A. I was in a really good mood. I'd mm. had an art show the night before. It went well. Mm. And I saw some cops like going after. I think they're in their car with their yeah. arms slashed outside the windows. And they saw somebody. They're jaywalking or doing something really minor or panhandling. And I like was in the rec- my friend's record store. And I was like, and I'm watching them, you know, with their siren on, going through like it. Um, you know, like 12 miles an hour going through this parking lot. And I go, get him, pig! And they came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I went back to record stopping and they went back to like 15 minutes later to come after the guy who yelled pigs at him. Mm-hmm. And they were like, they were like, we can arrest this person. That's interfering with oh, um, with us with us trying to conduct a, an arrest. That's some LA shit right there, man. Straight up. And what happened was I just like completely shit my pants and I just like stood in the back and they didn't remember what I looked like. Mm-hmm. So they just questioned the record store owners and they stayed furious at me because they didn't know what they were talking... They weren't trying to cover for me. Mm-hmm. They were like, they didn't see it happen. Mm-hmm. So the cops left. If those cops are listening now, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, statute of limitations. I'm sure, I'm sure you're safe by now. Man. I'm, doing, I'm doing the math. Maybe not. I don't think there's any cops listening to the show. They've man. been reading your email, but they haven't found it. You're the guy yet. <laughs> I think there's a 15-year statute of limitations, so you better not broadcast the show through 2004. Because this happened <laughs> yeah. in 1999. And my friends who run the record store afterwards, well, I was like, hey, man, thanks for covering for me. You didn't give me up. And they're like, we didn't know you fucking did it. You know, they thought, yeah, you know, we depend on these cops to protect us if we have somebody harassing Uh, us in the store and you're ruining our relationship with them. And they stayed mad at me. And, you know, it's very, very messy. That's how you find out who's on what side, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I probably wouldn't shop at a record store that was like, would choose the cops over me, you know, <laughs> in, 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 a, in a working relationship. You know? It wasn't, uh, yeah. Well, they. I don't uh, think that they would have given me up if they had known. They might have done a worse job of lying for me. Yeah. But they were like, "You put us in a bad position. So don't be stupid again." Right, right. Gotcha. If you go, or if you're going to yell pigs at the cops and do it in our store, they had a point. Yeah, I get it. back to their store. Gotcha. 
Well, maybe we're done. I huh? think we're done, man. Yeah. Well, Eric, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, it's great yeah. meeting you. Thank you. And uh, you know, Josh, you know, whatever. Where, where's you know, that? I can see you around. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, we should say that Josh did the uh, Josh actually did the cover for this issue of Scam, which is uh, oh yeah, partially his connection to this project. It's cool. Well. I post a photograph of this. Please do, man. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's Josh. out there. It's in stores. You can find it. Now, do you have um, like you know, a, a web presence, like a you know, website, Twitter, that kind of stuff? Kind of. It's real mediocre, but I'm on there. Uh, I kind of throw everything up on the site uh, on the lower frequencies, all one word. On the lower frequencies dot com. Dot com, yeah. Okay. And um, so people can check out what I'm up to and any kind of speaking dates or band shows. Or always goes up there. I put new writing up there and. You know, blah, blah, blah. So that's up there. Cool. And the scenes out in the world, you can get it from Last Gasp or Microcosm or whatever. It's out there. Could they? Could people contact you directly to buy them directly from you? Or? Yeah, yeah, people okay. do that. Yeah, people do that. Cool. Yeah. And there's contact info on the site and yeah, everything? Yeah, okay. yeah, For cool. sure. Cool. Everyone knows your story, but you want well, to, uh, yeah, you know, I've you got bit, stuff coming up, so. I got the busiest summer of my life. Fucking go for it, dude. Let us know what's going on. Uh, four things really quick. Um, Yeti issue 13, I think, has like a 35-page story, full color. Really? Comic that I did, yeah. 35, right on, dude. 35, yeah. It's a sequel to my comic, Rom. It's called Orm. And uh, Raw Power 2 is coming out probably by June 1st or so. And uh, Suspect Device 3 is out now, featuring Annie and Popeye in a zip shitload <laughs> of world-famous cartoonists and graffiti artists like... Todd James and there's a collaboration between me and Raymond Pettibone in it and Johnny Ryan and Jesse Jacobs and all these other wonderful cartoonists um, so I'm re- near, nearing the end of my spiel so Yeti 13 um, SD3 um, Raw Power 2 or something I'm forgetting so uh, I guess I'll have to come back here again to first it's just for that one last thing you forgot we'll have a whole hour <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know. Shit, man, what else do I have? Uh, oh, and Henry and Glenn, Forever ah. and Ever, issue two. I have a nine, I don't have a ten page story in there about, um, it's called uh, Same Time Next Year. So it's based on that old Alan Alda movie that, uh, that uh, <laughs> Simon, somebody, Neil Simon, really, uh-huh. where Rollins and you follow Greg, I'm not Greg, um, Glenn and Rollins' relationship from when it started, you know, you jump forward. So it's like 1982 mm-hmm. and then they'd say 86 and then it's 96 and then I go into the future. Wow. <laughs> you know, when I wrote it, I mean, I was like, this is the most personal story I've ever, ever done. <laughs> yeah. I, you've always identified so strongly with Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, for me and Tombs, uh, we got, playing with a show down in Philly with Baroness which is going to be pretty rad and then doing a short tour in June with uh, Black Anvil which is anchored primarily around uh, Canadian dates so that's like our annual uh, trip up to Canada fuck yeah and uh, we're going to choose a different route this time so we don't have to cross through uh, New Hampshire and avoid problems with the border guards really yeah, I mean, we, I, we've been doing legitimate border crossings with, like, real paperwork for the last, like, five years, you know? But uh, this fucking one guy, man, like, just didn't like the cut of our jib, I guess, and uh, yeah, gave us, like, a real... Town, so you're going to see the same guy. Yeah, probably. so we're, we're going up. We're, we, our tour is routed completely so we can avoid that border crossing. 
So we're going we're going through upstate New York, up into Canada, which is like a busy like. Yeah. Did they? Were they like you? What are you doing? Bringing records? Do you have your records with you? We have. Sure? First of all, we we operate completely, completely above, on the level with everything. Like we don't fuck around anymore. Like we're, you know, we don't we don't try to sneak across the border. We try to do things legally. We do everything like by the book. So we always have all of our paperwork in order. We have everything, invoices, like gear manifests. Everyone has their, you know, do we don't have any felons in the bands or anything yeah, like yeah. that. And, uh, you know, this one guy was like just a fucking prick, man. And it's like the, uh, there's two levels. Like I know that, I know right away, as soon as we pull up to the border, we have to go and get, you know, looked at and all this other shit. So we, we pull over, and there's a dude with the gun, right, who's, like, just checking you out in the van, and he's cool. Like, he's totally cool. He's like, oh, you guys you know, having a good day, blah, 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 whatever. Totally cool. And I'm like, ah, it's going you know, to be a piece of cake, just like every other time. We go inside, and we're talking to this fucking, like, overweight, like, poor health, mm. pale, like, pasty, miserable government fucking employee. I thought they had free health care, though. Yeah, well, this guy looks like he looks like just like maybe maybe the the malaise of his life, you know, like his dissatisfaction with like his his day to day existence probably is you know eating away at his like you know mm-hmm. life force or whatever. So this guy was like, he just I don't know, he didn't didn't dig us, he didn't like our freedom, I guess, or whatever. So he just wanted he, he just yeah. hassled us. It was for nothing. It was yeah. not even our paperwork is in order. Everything's cool. You know, we had the right documentation. He just wanted to be a douchebag. Some about people it. just don't like my face. I get yeah. that. You know, and I was I was just like answering every one of his questions in this like laconic, like direct way, and he just didn't like that either. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to make a note here that you were you were being uncooperative. And I'm just like, because what it came down to is after a while, I was getting frustrated with him, and I was yeah. just like, look, man, either let us through. Or don't let us through because if you, I need to know. You can never say that to him, man. Then they're like, but he let us through. Though. He let <laughs> wow. us through. Oh, okay. And I was like, but I was at that point with him. I was, I didn't want to fuck around. I was done. Yeah. We were, run, we were going to be late if we were like detained at the border any longer. I know that we had all of our shit together. I know that we had every piece of paperwork in order. And I was just like, let us through or don't let us through. I need to know what you're going to do. Yeah. And he didn't like that. And he's like, I'm going to make a note here that you're being, you know uncooperative or whatever and I was like fine yeah yeah you don't want to see that guy again it's a, it's a big issue getting um, uh, comics over to Toronto too yeah. Like, yeah for the Toronto Comics Festival it's like cause a lot of people headaches you gotta cover up the prices on that oh yeah yeah definitely man you gotta mm-hmm. claim that you're not there to sell shit yeah and well, I have I have 75 comics with me to give away as promotional yeah. promotional items yeah. cause I Canadians. It's rough, man. Yeah, Canada. It's not the fifty-first day, man. No, it used to be real easy. You used to go there with like some fake like contract saying that you're going there to record, yeah. and they just they just didn't give a fuck at <laughs> all. You know what I mean? They're <laughs> just fine, man. Like this is the same one that the band that came in yesterday had, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like they just didn't care, man. As long as you weren't like a you know, felon or like yeah. trying to transport drugs across the border, then you're cool, you know. I, I have an interesting story about that, man. Like back in my my older my older band, we were, you know, when I was in Anodyne. We were uh, going across the border, and um, we had two guys in the band. One was like a fill-in drummer, and we got pulled over, and one guy had some sort of weed charge, 
and the other guy had a sex offense. Oh, shit. And that was the guy that was filling in. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't the permanent guy in the band, right? So, I remember, like, we got, you know, sat down, and me and Josh, our bass player, you know, totally, you know, fucking clean records or whatever. I mean, I have, like, one charge. I have, like, a, an assault charge from, like, you know, the 80s or whatever. But that's, you know, they, don't, they didn't care about that. They cared about the drug charges and the sex offenses. And that was that was kind of, we were sweating a little bit because yeah. they brought these dudes in separate rooms and, like, you know, talked about, talked to them. And we were What's there for, like, an hour. Do you know the details? Uh, well, as we were leaving, the guy was like, hey, man, do you know any lawyers down? In, this is when we lived in Boston. Like, you know, Boston. I go, nope. Sorry, man. And he kind of went into this, like, severely edited version I think of what happened and apparently like he exposed himself to like these women or whatever and I was just like man this fucking guy like you know I mean once again I, I don't know what the whole story was it just sounded sketchy to me yeah yeah and uh you know he was this guy that was referred to us and he filled in in this you know the, like these three shows and uh you know any I, I never wanted him to guy to play in the band because it just didn't fit with our vibe and there was a little bit of discussion of him, you know, joining full time, and at that point, we were none of us were like, "Nah, I don't feel comfortable with this guy, man." But that was like, you know, a, a horrible border crossing story, <laughs> sex offenders. <laughs> well, anyway, man, thanks, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate yeah, you. it. You know, you know, hanging in there with this, and uh, cool, man. you know, I can't wait to hear this one. Yeah, that's cool. no, yeah. gonna be good, man. Yes, All right, podcast. Everyone, listen to. Peace.